So we are starting a new series today, and it is called Navigator. And um, I'm really excited about it. For the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about um, the way that Jesus is the navigator of our lives, if we allow him to be, and how he works on the inside, not just on the outside of our lives. And so when I was thinking about starting this series, I was sort of flashing back to when I was in middle school in the early 90s. Some of you, that's going to make you feel a little old. I'm sorry about that. Um, But in that time, uh, the health department was really launching um, campaigns in the public schools about cigarette smoking. So maybe some of you remember that time. Um, And so they would show us pictures in school um, to educate us on what, uh, what smoking would do to our bodies. I think it was also potentially to scare us <laughs> into the negative effects of smoking. Because here's some of them. You might remember every cigarette brought you from the inside out. Um, <laughs> don't go home and cry yourself to sleep. Uh, and then we had this one here that says it looks just as stupid when you do it. Um, but the problem with this, this is actually a poster we had in health class. And it sort of backfired because most of the seventh graders decided it was hilarious and they took it home and put it like in their bedrooms and it was supposed to be really funny. The health teacher was not very happy about that because it was supposed to be repulsive and instead the seventh graders thought it was cute. Um, But what I learned in those years is that tar from smoking um, gets inside your lungs. And you probably know this if you've had any kind of health class. And um, when it does, this tar can cause damage. And so here's a picture uh, that they also showed us in middle school uh, of a healthy lung and a tar-filled lung. And um, the most unsettling sort of reality of this picture is that from the outside, you can uh, not tell that any of this deterioration deterioration, excuse me, is happening. So from the outside, there might be some symptoms, but you have no idea how it's affecting the inside of who you are. You may not even have any idea that your lungs are beginning to look like this because you can ignore it and not pay attention to it for quite a while until some of the symptoms become more outward. And no one would really ever know that this was happening to you. Now, I'm not here um, to judge you if you smoke or know someone who does. Actually, smoking has very little to do with anything that I want to share today. But what I want to simply draw is a parallel, a spiritual parallel, to a physical reality. Okay, a spiritual parallel to a physical reality. And the physical reality is you can look fine on the outside, but you can be wasting away on the inside. And in the same way that you can look fine on the outside, you can talk big, you can serve faithfully, you can worship expressively, you can tell everyone that you're A-OK, but your inside life can look like a lung full of tar. And our inner world is not as easy to deal with because it doesn't shout quite as loudly as our outer world. It doesn't quite draw the attention from other people. And it is this human condition that we have to ignore our internal life. In fact, if we don't consciously choose to pay attention to our inside life, I think it's possible to ignore it for months, for for years, maybe even for decades. That things can be inside of us, rotting us away, habits, thought patterns, attitudes, things that we haven't dealt with, unforgiveness, and they can get inside there and completely rot inside of us, and we just refuse to deal with it, and no one knows about it 
so we can just somehow avoid it all. In Genesis 2-7, it accounts for the creation story. And I want to read just one verse to you. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You know, when God created us, he, he created a body. He created lungs. He, he created a nervous system and brain. And, and he created our muscles and our bones. But it actually says that that wasn't what made us alive. The heart was beating. The brain was firing. The nervous system was functioning. But still, humans were not alive. This scripture says that the moment that life came, the moment that God gave life, was when God breathed into the man's nostrils. So the body itself was functioning just fine. But that is not what gives life. That is not what gives someone a soul. The very breath of God, when God breathed into the man, is when he became a living being. That is the moment when God gave all of mankind a soul. And we, we have to remember, we're not just a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. We're not just a body with a soul. We're actually a soul with a body. And the breath of God is inside of us. And just like we sang, it, it's, it's God's breath in our lungs. And it's what makes us alive. And it's not just the blood that pumps through our veins. And, and we're grieving the death of of many people from our church, and some of you still grieving uh, the death of people that, that you have loved. But, but the thing is, if they were a believer in Jesus, that their life has continued because it's not just our, our heart pumping that makes us alive. It's the soul that's inside of us that continues on. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny. And when you were born, your body was created to die. It will decompose, but your soul was created to live forever. And your soul will live forever, in heaven or in hell, based on your decisions as a follower of Christ when your body is still functioning. So this series, we're gonna focus on our soul, like I talked about. And uh, we titled it Navigator because God is the creator of our soul and he is the one who shows us how to take care of it. And today we're gonna talk about how he helps keep us centered. And next week we're gonna talk about how he uh, wants our soul to be rested and then the last week we're going to talk about how he wants our soul to be free, to be liberated. And you've probably heard uh, the word soul a lot in your life. Um, perhaps you haven't thought much about what that actually means. I think our culture uses this word kind of interchangeably. So let me give you some examples. Um, in the music industry, there's soul music. Tell the person next to you a soul music uh, person who sings soul. Go ahead. Does Aretha Franklin would be a good answer. James Brown. Okay, and soul music, it's, it's like music that speaks to you. Music that that's, goes to the depths of who you are. All right, in the South, they cook what? Soul food, right? You can buy soul food. Uh, Derek Jeter was labeled, anyone know? The soul of the Yankees. <laughs> the soul of the Yankees because he was the, the guy that kept the team beating. Um, the car company Kia created a vehicle called the Kia Soul. Anyone drive a Kia Soul? 
to church today? Oh, <laughs> Jim Renner. All right. You drove your soul to church today. That's good. Um, SOS. Does anyone know what SOS actually stands for? Save our souls, right? It was, a, it was something that a ship would, would, would send in, a code, a code that they used internationally if a ship needed help. SOS, save our souls, because everyone on board was a soul. Um, did you know that, that people actually try to sell their soul for profit on eBay? And they had to make a policy that was no soul-selling policy. We are strange people. But we are a soul, We're a soul made by God. And ultimately, our soul will be the only thing that outlasts this life. And so if this is the case, and we do all kinds of things to make sure that our body is healthy and we look pretty good and we want to stay, you know, we got to keep this body good, we got to keep it looking good, but shouldn't we make sure if the only thing that's going to last forever is our soul to keep it healthy? To keep it healthy and not full of tar, And that is what we're going to talk about this series. Because the soul is invisible, it's really easy to neglect. It's really easy to neglect. And so um, our soul really needs a center. And the center is to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might say today, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm good. I could check out and play Tetris on my phone. No, you cannot. (laughs) Because just because you're a Christian doesn't actually mean you have made your soul center around him. Just because you're a believer in Jesus doesn't actually mean that you have made your soul center around him. In the book of James uh, 1 verse 8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And in Greek, this word actually means a split soul or an uncentered soul. So it could also read, A man with an uncentered soul is unstable in all of his ways. So here are a few indicators of when the soul lacks a center. And what I want you to do is sort of self-evaluate. You don't have to tell anybody around you what score you're giving yourself. Try not to rate your spouse. They might get upset with you. Uh, but, But kind of take an inventory of where you are in some of these areas. So a soul without a center has difficulty making decisions. In fact, James says a few verses earlier in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, that the uncentered souled person, he uses an analogy, is like a wave on a sea, driven forward one moment and backward the next. Can you see the, the visual picture of that someone waffling on their decision, not knowing what they should do? But contrastly, people whose souls are rooted in a center find that they bring great clarity to their decisions. There there is a a place to compare all decisions to. There is a purpose. There is a stability in a soul leaning completely on Jesus. And you begin to stop making decisions based on what's good only for you. And you start to look at what Jesus would want for your life. Of what Jesus, how Jesus would want you to treat other people. Not if it feels good or not, or if you're ready to forgive or not. How Jesus would want you to to give some of the things that you're attached to. How Jesus would want you to to frame and to have perspective on a certain situation at work. And and so what happens is that you begin to, to make decisions based on what the word of God says and what Jesus says to you. And your decisions become easier to make and more consistent. An example in the scripture about uh, a guy with an uncentered soul is Pontius Pilate. If you remember, 
He is the man who uh, was actually um, made the, the final decision to to let Jesus be crucified. And he struggled with the decision. If you read in the scripture, he is conflicted. I think he knows that, this, that Jesus had done nothing wrong, but, but he is so pressured by the crowd that he doesn't know what to do. And at first, he tries to talk Jesus into saying what he would know would set him free. Pilate tries to sort of manipulate Jesus into, well, just say this, and then I can let you go. But Jesus, who is centered and, and his soul is rooted in God, knows that he, he's not even going to make that decision even though um, it would be easier for him, even though it would, it would avoid pain for him. And so when Pilate can't manipulate Jesus, he still knows that something isn't quite right about letting Jesus be crucified. So he actually starts to, uh, to egg on the crowd. He says, well, don't you guys want to let Jesus off the hook? Come on, cheer for Jesus, and then I'll have the justification in doing the right thing. But how many of you know the crowd never cheers for the right thing? The crowd is, is usually the, the thing chanting on the wrong decision, and so they opt for Barabbas, the other prisoner. And in the end, Pontius Pilate, in the scripture, it says he washes his hands of the decision. And I, I feel at times we are often like Pilate, maybe you know the right decision, but you can't seem to pull the trigger because of your fear of other people or fear of the consequences it may bring you. And so instead of making the right decision, you kind of say, well, whatever happens, happens. You have difficulty making decisions. Your, your life is tossed like a wave of the sea. That's an uncentered soul. And when the soul is not centered, the person is never sure what temptations are worth resisting and what sacrifices are worth making. Let me say that again. When the soul is not centered, the person is never sure what temptations are worth resisting or what sacrifices are worth making. So how good are you at making the right big decisions? Is your soul centered in Jesus? All right, second. Souls without a center lack patience. Souls without a center lack patience. So actually in the scripture, um, they describe patience as short-souled or long-souled. Okay, so in the book of Numbers, when the people were growing impatient with God's journey through the wilderness, the text says that their souls grew short. So if you read that, what it means is they were impatient. Their, their souls grew short. I like to pray prayers like, God, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> I need it right now. There's oatmeal all over the floor. But oftentimes we, we ask God for patience impatiently. But on the other hand, the character of Job was long-souled. If you've read about Job, he faced trials and heartaches and changes, yet he continued to trust deeply in God. His soul was long. So let me ask you this. How is your patience? How are you in the waiting? If your soul is short, you give God three to five business days to show up. <laughs> if your soul is long, you will wait a lifetime if that's what it takes. Because you know that the God you serve is faithful. And your soul is centered upon the promises that he gives. And so you will stand and you will wait. No matter what it looks like. No matter how dark the tunnel looks ahead. Because your soul is centered on Jesus. Is your soul patient? 
Is your soul centered? The third one is that souls without a center are easily thrown. They're easily thrown. Um, I have a picture here. There's a ride uh, called a mechanical bull. Raise your hand if you've ever been on a mechanical bull. Does that surprise you? Is anyone surprised by the... Okay. Uh, Some of you aren't admitting it. I know. I know this. So there's this thing called a mechanical bull, and uh, you kind of get on there, and the whole idea is that you try not to get off, right? So it sort of whips you around and jerks you around, and you try not to fall off, and they time you, and they see what level, uh, how, how, how long you can get on. And um, actually, the key, according to Google, because <laughs> I don't know, to staying on the ride is actually not to hold on too tight. Because when you hold on very tight, you, you can't control it. It's so jerky, you can't, you, you can't stay on it. So the key is to remain flexible. Because if you think you can control the ride, you will be thrown easily. Does that resonate with anyone's soul today? That if you think that you can control your life, you're going to be like a hot second off that mechanical bull. Because life is so much about the unexpected. It feels so out of control at times, and we try to hang on so tight, and we try to create environments and circumstances and situations, and we see you know, that boy walking out of the thing, so we wait three seconds so we don't look as desperate, and then we walk over, oh, fancy seeing you here. You know, we, we, we try to create these environments, that, these circumstances, these situations. If we, if we just save up enough money, then we can go on that vacation, and then the car breaks down. And we are just completely out of control in so many circumstances. And when my soul isn't centered in God, I try to control my life. And when I try to control my life, I get thrown off of the mechanical bull so fast that I don't even know what hit me. Can anyone relate to that? You try so hard to get things fixed up and and this is how it's going to go and then it doesn't happen the way that you think and then you are just dead in the water. The prophet Habakkuk said, the opposite of living in faithful dependence on God is to lift your soul up in pride. So pride is what convinces us that we can handle life just fine. Pride is what causes us to hold on too tight and try to control the ride. Pride is what allows us to say we know better about what our life should look than God does. And so step aside, God, I'll just do this. We know better what our life should look like, what people should do. We know better about what circumstances that they should, how they should deal with it than God does, and we try to control the ride. But in Psalm 24, 3 through 4, it reminds us, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swear by a false god. And so what that scripture is reminding us is when our soul is centered, we can enter into a a relationship with God that is fully trusting. We can enter into a relationship with God that says, and if not, you are still God. We can enter into a relationship with God where we can stop trying to manipulate the people around us and, and we can just embrace the mechanical bull. We can just adjust as we go. 
We keep God the center at every good or bad, unexpected moment that we face. And so a measure of whether your soul is centered is are you easily thrown? When something happens that you don't expect, does it leave you a puddle on the floor? Are you trying to grapple for the control of your life? Is your soul centered? Now, you may have answered these questions this morning that I posed, and you may surprise yourself in a positive way. You might have said, you know, I, I feel pretty good about that little litmus test. I think my soul is, is fairly centered. Or you may um, have answered them differently than you expected, and, and you may sort of uh, realize that you've got some tar in your lung. <laughs> I'm, sometimes I crack myself up, but you guys are just not getting it. So <laughs> I'll just stay up here and laugh by myself. But... Um, but we, we kind of have these moments where, where we evaluate ourselves. So making sure that your soul is centered on Jesus is priority in walking the Christian life. And it takes effort. But this is, this is the best part. Are you ready? You know what else it takes? A navigator. It takes effort. It, it takes evaluating it. It takes making sure that you don't have all this gunk in your heart and no one knows it. But you know what else it takes is a navigator, a, a navigator that's going to help you through it. Let me tell you what a navigator's primary responsibilities are. A navigator of a ship's primary responsibility, the one thing that the navigator must always know at all times, no matter the circumstance, is the ship's position. The navigator always knows whether they're in an a, a off-site base or on the ship itself, exactly the latitude and the longitude of where that ship is. And the navigator knows what the ship is thinking and what the ship is feeling, and God has his eye on you. The scripture says, Hebrews 13:5, Jesus promises, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you. Joshua 1.9 says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You have a navigator that sees you and knows you and simply wants you to lean into him. Navigators also plan the journey. They're the ones that look straight ahead, they know the destination and they plan the journey. And so you have a God that, that has, has walked through every day of your life already and wants to help you face every single hazard and every single situation that you have not seen or, or will not see. Navigators prepare the ship for when they come up upon the hazard. And that's what Jesus does for us, is he prepares our heart and our situation and he sends just the right people and the right resources and the right moments and the right encouragement to help us through situations. Navigators maintain the ship. They make sure everything on board is in working order. And the ship can trust its navigator. The ship can trust its navigator. So there are some action steps. There are some things that I want you to do um, during this series. And um, I want you to begin to evaluate. Today was like step one. I want you to evaluate your inside life. What is it that isn't matching up with your outside? What is it that, if people found out about you, might surprise them? What is it that, that maybe you've been wrestling with for a long time, but you refuse to deal with? That's probably rotting out a part of your inside. I want you to evaluate yourself. That's hard sometimes. We don't like to think about that stuff. 
But set aside a time this week where, where you and your navigator sit down and you look at the map and you say, God, where is it in my life that I am not lining up to where you want me to be? Also, um, next, uh, starting in, in September, uh, Mel and Sharon Berger, great um, people of this church, are going to offer a class on Wednesday night starting September 6th that deals primarily with the soul. And it's going to be intensive and focused on um, deep emotional wounds of your past and your present. And you're going to get to pray with some people through um, your wounds and, and through unforgiveness and, and through sort of the, the ups and downs of life. And I want you to consider if there is something that you just really need to process with someone, if you have some unforgiveness, or maybe there's even something in your life that you're not even sure where it came from, but here it is. Maybe some type of anxiety or depression or something that, that is just really holding you back. I want you to consider signing up for that class. Mel and Sharon are going to be in the lobby at a table, and you can get more info from them and just put your name down, and they'll give you a call. And that is a really great opportunity for you to plug in and really do something about some of the things that are inside of you. Also, don't forget, we are still having Celebrate Recovery every Thursday, so that is a great group for um, people with uh, hang-ups or habits, things that you need to really walk through. And um, you can get more info about that in the lobby too. Anthony Brown and his team are doing an awesome job. And so make sure you plug into some of the things that are happening here that we can really help you walk forward. Um, another thing that we did sort of as a statement, you know, in the scripture, um, when people walk through significant spiritual things, they uh, build a, a rock uh, tower, or they, they plant something there, or they say, this is where this happened, so that we remember, we can look back and say, that's when God did that in my life. It's a milestone. And so we created an opportunity as a community to really say, we are going to work on our souls for these next few weeks. We're going to work on our souls. And so right out here, there's a chalkboard that says, it is well with my soul because it looks like that. And uh, there are some options for you to complete the sentence. And we'd love for you to go out there and just get your picture taken with uh, one of the options. Uh, Michael will be out there. He'll explain all the details. But we just would really love for us all to say, you know, we're working on this together. And some of you in your head right now are going, there's no way I'm going to do that. And I'm just going to smile at you sweetly and say, I'm your pastor. So please do that now. Um, because together, together, we're doing this. We're in this together. It'll be there for the next three weeks. So if you can't wait in line today, you can try next time. But together, we're going to mark that we are going to work on our inside life. That we're going to quit ignoring the things that allow us to deteriorate. That we're going to do this together. We're going to become better people. We're going to center our souls around who Jesus is. We're going to make better decisions based on who God is. We're going to be more patient in the waiting. We, we are going to uh, make sure that we are just aligning ourselves with what God is saying to us. And so today we're just going to end our service um, with one other opportunity just for you to ask Jesus to be your navigator. And some of you, um, some of you like to just sit in your seat and that's okay. And some of you uh, would come down here, and I want to invite you to sort of um, fill this space in if you're comfortable. But it's just going to be this moment where we say, Jesus, be the center of our soul. We're starting this journey for these next few weeks. And Jesus, be the center of my soul. I want my inside life to match my outside life. 
And so we're actually going to sing one more worship song. So the band's going to come up. And would you stand? Would you stand up? Sometimes physically, we have to move so that we spiritually know we're taking a step. All right? Sometimes physically, we have to move so that we spiritually know we're taking a step. And so if you um, feel led to do that, I'd love for you guys to fill in down here. We're going to watch a short video that goes into this song. And this song says what we've been talking about today, that when God created us, he breathed life into us. The breath of Yahweh, he breathed into us, and that is what made us living human beings. So let me pray as we begin. Father, I thank you that you want our inside life to match our outside life. And I ask, Lord, today that this would be a significant step in that process. God, that we could examine ourselves, that we could see in the ways that we don't please you, and God, that we could course correct those. Lord, we invite you to be our navigator. We invite you to be the center We want you to be the center of all of our decisions and all of our waiting, God. We want you to be the center. And Jesus, we just stand before you right now, and we trust you. We know that you've created us, and God, our soul will live forever. And Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Spirit of Jesus, living within us, Never to fail or forsake. Unending promise. Heaven inside us. Father, into your hands. 
quiet my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Holy is the Lord, the breath of life inside us. Yahweh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord.
ask you to be our center. God, we declare that you are the great I am and that you have breathed life into us and that's what makes us alive. And God, it is in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.